This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes, chair of the Michigan Democratic Party. The word this week, freedom. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. President Biden's re-election campaign is officially underway. President Biden has been the most effective president in decades. He has delivered for Michiganders and people all across the nation. And we at the Michigan Democratic Party are ready and excited to tell the success story of this administration to voters across our state. From creating hundreds of thousands of manufacturing jobs to investing billions of dollars in Michigan infrastructure to shepherding through common sense gun safety legislation and bringing America to the other side of a global pandemic, President Biden has delivered time and time again. I look forward to putting the president's extensive record next to any and every MAGA challenger that throws their hat in the ring. I think we all know how that will turn out. And I'm especially proud that Gretchen Whitmer is the only governor among the president's seven campaign co-chairs. That appointment shows the president's tremendous respect for Governor Whitmer and emphasizes the importance of Michigan to the re-election effort. The forward-focused campaign of the president stands in stark contrast to this week in Republican politics, both nationally and within our state. While the president and governor talk about continuing to rebuild our manufacturing economy, record-setting job creation, fighting to preserve our democratic system from GOP attacks, and fighting to stop GOP attacks on our individual freedoms, Republicans are in courtrooms at the defendant's tables. In Michigan, a former Republican Speaker of the House pleaded guilty to federal bribery charges with the prospect of the scandal ensnaring more prominent Republicans. The Detroit News reported that a secret Oakland County grand jury is investigating prominent Republicans, including their 2022 attorney general nominee for felony election machine tampering. There's a separate investigation into the fake presidential elector scheme, which includes the former co-chair of the state Republican Party. Nationally, former President Trump is in two courtrooms, defending himself from criminal charges for lying in business filings and is defending himself in a civil suit growing out of an alleged rape. In addition, the prosecuting attorney in Atlanta strongly hints that Trump faces indictment in Georgia this summer and the federal special counsel appears close to filing criminal charges charges growing out of both the Mar-a-Lago document scandal and the January 6th insurrection. Nationally, there's been a spike in hate crimes, fueled no doubt by divisive rhetoric from the right and Trump's violent rhetoric dating back to even before his first White House campaign. The tally has reached the highest level since the government began tracking the crimes in the early 1990s. Joining us on the podcast this week, a Michigan Democrat who is taking on the growing specter of hate crimes, State Representative Noah Arbit. But first, our summary of the week's news with Dorian Tyus. I'm Dorian Tyus. Here are some of the stories driving policy and politics this week. State House Democrats are reintroducing laws they say will help fix Michigan's broken process for sexual assault crimes. State Representative Julie Brixey led the announcement. The package of bills would extend or, in some cases, eliminate entirely the statute of limitations 
related to criminal sexual conduct, limit governmental immunity in certain circumstances, and provide a survivor's bill of rights. Attorney General Dana Nestle is pushing back on the Livingston County Sheriff for not enforcing the new red flag law designed to keep firearms out of the hands of those who should not have them. The ink wasn't even dry on the newly adopted red flag law when the Livingston County Sheriff thumbed his nose at it saying he would not enforce the law. Nestle said she would describe his choice as, quote, irresponsible. Former Republican State House Speaker Rick Johnson pleaded guilty to bribery during the time he chaired the state's Medical Marijuana Approval Board. The felony is punishable by up to 10 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. A new report from Climate Power shows Michigan continues to lead the race for jobs and investment. The report shows Michigan is the number two state nationwide for clean energy investments with the combined $20 billion of investments since August 2022. Michigan has announced more than 13,000 jobs since the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act in 2022. The Climate Power Report follows Michigan being named as one of three states poised to dominate electric vehicle battery manufacturing in the United States by 2030. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson has been honored by the Brennan Center for Justice with its 2023 Legacy Award. Benson was selected for the national honor for her work protecting fair elections in Michigan and defending American democracy. A coalition of Democratic governors led by Governor Whitmer have written congressional leaders strongly opposing the draconian Republican budget outline. In a letter to the four congressional leaders, Whitmer and the other governor expressed, quote, our firm opposition to any efforts that would cut funding for programs that hundreds of millions of Americans pay into and rely on for their health care, retirement benefits, and more because of the impact of low- and middle-income families. Still another Republican-run state is getting into the book-banning business. Indiana lawmakers have passed a bill allowing anyone to petition to ban a book that offends them from public libraries. In another Republican state, legislature has banned a member for disagreeing with the majority. Montana Republicans have banished Representative Zoe Zephyr from House sessions and prohibit her from debating any bills because of disagreement over an anti-transgender bill. This follows the expulsion of two Tennessee State House members by Republicans upset with the demonstration in support of gun safety legislation. One of Florida's best-known residents, NBA star Dwayne Wade, says he and his family will move to another state because of anti-transgender laws promoted by Governor Ron DeSantis. You can find links for more information on these stories on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyus. Thank you, Dorian. For more than a decade, Michigan has experienced a severe rise in hate crimes with black, LGBTQ+, Jewish, Asian, and Muslim communities among the most targeted. According to the Michigan State Police, the number of reported hate crimes and bias incidents in Michigan rose every year between 2015 and 2020. 
Landmark legislation to strengthen Michigan's outdated and inadequate hate crime laws have been introduced by State House Democrats. Our Walt Sorg talked with one of the lead sponsors, West Bloomfield Representative Noah Arbit. Representative Arbit, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me. Let's get right into it. In terms of hate crimes in Michigan, just how bad has the situation be- become? Is it is it rising? And if so, is it rising noticeably? Yes, very much so. You know, we're at a, you know, really a historic high, both in Michigan and across the country in terms of incidents of hate violence, hate crimes and, and bias incidents in, in the state of Michigan. You know, really, we have seen, you know, a, a perceptible rise for the past decade, almost every year. But, you know, in particular, you know, in the past five or so years, you know, we've seen a rise pretty much every year. Um, and so it's really, really important that amidst this rise of hate crimes in Michigan, that we're rising up to meet it and to to send a message that, you know, hate has no home in the state of Michigan. It used to be when you talked about hate crimes, you were talking about crimes against African-Americans. But it seems now that it's broadened tremendously to include both ethnic minorities other than African-Americans, as well as the LBGTQ plus community and also the Jewish community. Yeah, I guess I would just push back on the notion that, you know, we would always talk about the black community. We talk about bla- the black community in concert with hate crimes against against every community, because actually a Michigan's hate crime law, the current law, the ethnic intimidation statute was actually passed in response to the murder of a Chinese American man, Vincent Chin, in the 1980s, which, you know, was the height of trade tensions between Japan and America, particularly as re- regards to automobiles. And, and so he, you know, was brutally murdered. And then a movement, you know, sprung up, you know, to to criminalize hate crimes in across the country. And Michigan was one of the one of the states that implemented such a law. But, you know, the black community is, you know, by and large, you know, by far the most targeted. Uh, But yes, I think it is absolutely appropriate to point out that, you know, we have rising hate crimes against the LGBTQ plus community, against the Jewish community. You know, I represent West Bloomfield, which is the most Jewish. I represent the most Jewish district in the state. And, you know, as a member of the Jewish community, as well as you know, a member of the LGBTQ plus community. This is very personal to me. You know, it's fair to say that, uh, you know, taking on hate crimes and extremism was is why I, why I ran for office. It's part of, you know, my political, you know, it's why I've, why I've been involved in politics. You know, I worked for Hillary's campaign, worked for the governor. And of course, I, I founded the Michigan Democratic Jewish Caucus to ensure that the Jewish community uh, had a voice in the Michigan Democratic Party and served as chair until you know, I was elected to the state house in November. But, you know, it's really important that, you know, you know, that's that's why I ran for office. This was my you know top issue that I campaigned on alongside, you know, mental health. And, you know, our, our coast, our sponsors on this package alongside myself, Representative Ranjeev Puri from Canton and Representative Christian Grant from Grand Rapids, the first black woman to ever represent West Michigan in the state house. You know, the three of us collectively represent the communities in Michigan that are most impacted by rising hate violence and most invested in finding solutions to address it. The question that comes to my mind is why? Why now are we experiencing this huge rise in hate crimes? Well, I I don't think that you can disentangle, you know, the sort of broader political, social and cultural climate. You know, I think hate has become normalized. It has been normalized to other people and to marginalize different communities and to blame communities, you know, for, for why things are the way they are. And I think you know, our, our media ecosystem, whether you're talking about Fox or some of the even more dangerous, you know, you know, sort of media outlets on the far right, you know, have really catalyzed this and really mainstreamed the idea that, you know, hate is is okay 
and that, you know, committing violence in the name of hate is okay. And it's not. You know, I think it's really important to understand that, you know, this new legislation that I have introduced, the Michigan Hate Crime Act and the Institutional Desecration Act, really overhauls Michigan's legal architecture regarding hate crimes, which has remained stuck in 1988. Michigan's hate crime law has not been amended even once since its passage in 1988, 35 years ago and seven years before I was even born. So, you know, we've had this rise of hate crimes for, for many years without corresponding legislative action. So now is the moment, as, as we know, we have for the first time in, in many decades, a democratic trifecta. And now is our moment to plant a stake in the ground and say that, you know, hate violence has no home in the state of Michigan and we will rise up to do everything we can to, to address it. The reason why hate crimes are treated differently under Michigan law, because, you know, some of the you know, questions come up, well, hate crimes are crimes like anything else. Why are we treating them differently? And I think the reason is, is because hate crimes are terroristic in nature. There's never just one victim of a hate crime. When, you know, a synagogue is attacked or a Muslim is beaten up on, on you know, the subway in New York or whatever it is, there's always a communal victim. And it tells all the people who share that, that individual's identity or, belong, or that community that you don't belong here. You don't, you're not welcome here. And you will not be safe here. And I think it's really important that, you know, we address the fact that this is terroristic in nature. And so, you know, for me, what really sort of galvanized me into action was, you know, two hate crimes that, you know, were, you know, targeting the communities that I'm part of, the Jewish and LGBTQ plus communities, you know, the, the, the shooting at the nightclub in Orlando in 2016. That was one of the worst mass shootings in history at that time and still is, as well as the, the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting right before the midterms in 2018. You know, I started the Michigan Democratic Jewish Caucus right after that and, you know, became an outspoken advocate on anti countering anti-Semitism, extremism and, and hate crimes. And then, of course, decided to run to represent my community in the state house. So there, there's that piece of it, which is, you know, uh, I have been impacted in the way that hate violence impacts people when when, you know, and communities when someone of their community is, is attacked or the victim of hate violence. And then, of course, you know, <laughs> You know, just, you know, about a month after I took office in February, I, I got a call from the FBI to notify me that a deranged individual, the gander, had threatened to kill me, Representative Samantha Steckloff, uh, AG Dana Nessel, Senator Jeremy Moss, and, and Congresswoman Alyssa Slack, and our Jewish elected officials in Michigan, all because we are Jewish. And that's being prosecuted federally as a hate crime. And I, you know, I wasn't shocked by that. Because it is just of a piece with the, you know, the, the rising hate violence and, of course, the political violence, too. And I think that we have to do better to understand the nexus between hate and political violence and political extremism that we're seeing, too. And I think these, these, this legislation that I've introduced, the Michigan Hate Crime Act and the Institutional Desecration Act, is, is you know, an important starting point for us um, to become a national leader. You know, when I, you know, was campaigning across uh, West Bloomfield and Commerce in the Lakes area in Oakland County, I promised my constituents that I would move heaven and earth to make sure that Michigan was, you know, that we transform Michigan from a national laggard, which we currently are, to a national leader on hate crime prevention, intervention, and response. And with this legislation this week that I've been working on tirelessly since even before I took office, you know, I'm proud to begin delivering on that promise. It may seem a little counterintuitive, but this is also an economic development issue. The state is marketing itself as a place where all are welcomed in stark contrast to Florida, to Indiana, our neighbors just to the South. And legislation like this fits right in with that theme. Absolutely. And I think, you know, 
whether it's marketing or, or not, it's got to be substantive. And I think that's the difference between Republican control and Republican leadership, or lack thereof, and then Democratic leadership, right? You know, Democrats believe that everyone counts, everyone has a voice, everyone belongs, and that everyone has rights, right? And I think that's, that's the playing field on which we won this past election at all levels, which was, you know, Republicans came in and, and would try to take away rights. And we were out there pushing to defend and expand our rights. And, and the people of Michigan responded. As the president was saying earlier this week, it's all about freedom. That's right. That's absolutely right. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because people ask me all the time, you know, and have, and ask me during the campaign, why are we so polarized? Why can't we just get along? Why can't people just live and let live? And, and I, I thought a lot about this. And I think the truth is, is that our politics stopped being about marginal tax rates and the degree to which government should foot the bill for healthcare a long time ago. And now our politics revolves around who counts, who belongs, and who has rights as an American. And there are two answers to that question. You know, one side believes that only certain people have rights, particularly if you are straight, white, male, or Christian. And then there's another side, which we believe as Democrats, that everyone has rights and then everyone has rights worthy of protection no matter who you are, including if you are straight, white, male, and Christian. And, and that's the vision that we are delivering on in the state house, in the, in the state legislature, and of course, with the leadership of our incredible governor, attorney general, and secretary of state. Representative Noah Arbit, thank you so much for your efforts and for joining us today. Of course, thanks for having me and go Democrats. One more thing before we go, I'm delighted to announce that the speaker at our annual Legacy Dinner on May 20th is Arizona Senator Mark Kelly. He and his wife, Gabby Giffords, are national leaders in the fight for common sense gun safety laws. Tickets for the dinner are available at the Democratic Party website. And that's our update for this week. I'm Lavora Barnes. Thank you for the privilege of your time. Party on the Peninsula is as a production of the Michigan Democratic Party. 